Well, church family, we're continuing on um, in the word, uh, the, the gospel of Mark, and this is where we have been uh, all month long, and we'll continue the, the entire year looking at the gospel of Mark. We're still in the first chapter. Mark is taking us into these stories, but just in, in terms of review, the whole thing, and if you got it in your Bible, circle it, underline it, highlight it, whatever, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, now is the time, here comes God's kingdom. We've seen Jesus baptized and the affirmation of the Father and the Spirit joining the Son. We've seen Jesus tempted in the wilderness, dealing with Satan, dealing with the enemy, dealing with evil. He has proclaimed the good news again in verse 15. And then he, last week, he began to build his team. And so now the journey begins. The ministry begins by giving us what I would call a day in the life of Jesus. Here we go, a day in the life of Jesus. And I'll tell you, it is busy. So much going on so quickly. So let's jump right in. A day in the life of Jesus, Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 21. Jesus and his followers went into Capernaum. Immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and started teaching. The people were amazed by his teaching, for he was teaching them with authority, not like the the legal experts. Suddenly, there in the synagogue, a person with an evil spirit screamed, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One from God. Silence, Jesus said, speaking harshly to the demon. Come out of him. The unclean spirit shook him and screamed. Then it came out. Everyone was shaken and questioned among themselves, what's this? A new teaching with authority. He even commands unclean spirits and they obey him. Right away, the news about him spread throughout the entire region of Galilee. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus, James, and John went home with Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed, sick with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she served them. That evening at sunset, people brought to Jesus those who were sick or demon-possessed. The whole town gathered near the door. He healed many who were sick with all kinds of diseases, and he threw out many demons. But he didn't let the demons speak because they recognized him. The word of the Lord, a day in the life of Jesus. Oh, so much is happening in a 24-hour period, maybe even less than a 24-hour period. Fast pace. And Mark gives us this language to show, to tell us how quickly and, and just hectic and, and hustle and bustle this is. He uses the words immediately in verse 21, suddenly in 23, right away in verse 28, at once in verse 30. And we'll talk more about this next week, but Mark's giving us a sense that when there is good news, there's no time to lose. There's so much to do. And I'll tell you, I find some comfort, I think, today, and even as I study this, I find comfort in the idea that when the timing is right, Jesus does not hesitate. And now the time is right. And it, it wasn't immediate, and so, uh, you know, it didn't happen as soon as Jesus came to earth. We didn't get a manger scene where, you know, Jesus is born, and then a two-day-old baby pops up and starts saying, hey, the kingdom of God is here, repent, change your hearts and lives. And, and why not? Well, because a bunch of shepherds and wise men would, would be like, hey, look, a two-day-old talking baby. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> it wouldn't be, hey, look, the kingdom of God is here. Let's change our hearts alive. To be like, hey, there's a baby talking. That's different, weird. 
What's he saying? I don't know. It's just a kid talking. Let's go watch. Let's go, let's go see what's going on. It wasn't. That wasn't the right timing. It's just he's talking, and, and then everybody knows Jesus as a talking baby, freak show, and not, you know, savior of the world. So in the right timing, this had to happen. And in the right time, Galatians says it this way, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, but when the fulfillment of the time came, some translations say, in a fullness of time, or just at the right time, God sent his son. And here again, after Jesus was baptized, after he experienced temptation, after he gained some helpers along the way, the time is right. Boom. Let's go. The race has begun. Here we go. We've been ready. We're preparing. On your mark. Get set, go, and here we are, steps into the race, and it is on, and there's so much to do, and the power and presence and impact of this good news makes a difference immediately, suddenly, right away, at once. And friends, let me tell you today, if you want the good news of Jesus Christ to come into your life and make a difference, you do not have to wait. The kingdom of God is breaking into this world today. And continues to do so, and that forgiveness and deliverance from evil is available to you today. The mercy and grace, sustaining grace, that, that sustaining grace that gives us the strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, it's right now you can have that. This is the right time. You are not here by accident today. The power and presence and impact Jesus Christ has on this world can be felt and received today. I know that. I hope you know that. But there's also someone else who knows that. Mark, make sure we're aware of it. The enemy knows that. He uses, Mark uses the term here, evil spirit, demon, unclean spirit. The evil spirits, verse 23 through 24, and then again in 32 and 34, unclean and impure are the, the words used to describe these spirits, these demons. And we know, we looked at a few weeks ago, Jesus already showed that he can overcome temptation and overcome Satan in the wilderness in his own life. So when Jesus faces temptation, he can overcome that temptation. When he, he's facing evil, evil doesn't have power over Jesus. How cool is that, right? But now we're taking it one step further. What happens when evil is present in the lives of others that Jesus comes into contact with? I'll tell you... It's something important we need to hear this morning. The number one lie the enemy wants you to believe is that he does not exist. In fact, some responses sometimes to this passage is to kind of just explain away the idea of demons and unclean spirits as some type of primitive understanding of mental disorders as some, or to give some other more you know, medical or logical explanation to what's going on here. It wasn't demons, it was schizophrenia, or uh, it wasn't evil spirits, it was, uh, I don't know, a, a bipolar situation, or someone who's just misunderstood. But Mark is very clear, even in, in this passage, he distinguishes between evil spirits and sickness, or disease, or an illness. This is not a disorder, this is the presence of evil that have taken over in a person's life. And if you don't think we have that in our world today, if demons and evil spirits and unclean, and, and that's, that's all just a long time ago, if you don't think that's in our world today, you're not paying attention. Evil is real, and evil is present. 
And we could probably go around the room today and we could say, when was the darkest time in your life? When was it that the enemy seemed at his strongest? When was it that you experienced evil, saw evil, were a victim of evil? Can you testify to that to this morning? I, I, I can't. There's a spirit of evil, I believe, driving war in Europe right now. A spirit of evil that goes behind terrorism and persecution around the world. The examples we, we see in headlines are too many to list. Memphis, this week. Shootings in California. Even here in Winfield, over the last two days, we've seen two overdoses. Drugs, alcohol, violence, sexual assault. These are the tools of the enemy bringing brokenness and perversion of the blessings of God's creation. Evil is real, and we must not deny it, and especially as God's people. We cannot just look away and pretend it doesn't exist. But guess what Mark tells us? What happens when Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, steps into the space, into the same space as an agent of evil? When Jesus is here and demon is here, they don't coexist. They cannot just get along. And the demon knows this better than anyone else in this story. Look at the demon's words. Uh, verse 24, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? In other words, he knows Jesus isn't going to just let him be. Evil cannot be present in the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom of God is present, what results is evil is destroyed. Evil is destroyed. And even the evil ones know this. But that brings us, it brings the people, it brings the characters in the story, and it brings us today into a decision point, into a situation in which a choice needs to be made. You can allow Jesus in your life, or you can allow evil in your life. But it is not possible for both to share your life. Here's the way Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And Jesus in this, this is Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, he's specifically talking about wealth. I, in, in, in this circumstance, fill in the blank. You cannot serve God and choose your temptation. Choose, your, choose the, the evil that you have seen. You cannot serve both God and violence. You cannot serve... God and racial discrimination, gossip, pornography, substance abuse, greed, whatever wants to take you away from a living life pleasing to God, you cannot serve that and God. It cannot coexist with Jesus in your life. So we have a decision point. We are at that, and, and the people in the story, they're amazed. They're so, what is this? Something's different. They can see a difference, but now... A choice has to be made. Do you embrace the uncleanness? And if we go back, and we won't go back today, but you can go back in Leviticus, Leviticus and Numbers especially, in the old ways, Mark uses the phrase unclean. 
And what that meant was there, there were states of being for the Israelites, for God's people in the Old Testament. You were either clean or you were unclean. If you touched a dead body, you were unclean. If you were, there were certain ways in which you could become unclean. And unclean was not sinful, but it was you can't go into the presence of God, to the tabernacle, or you can't even, even celebrating the Sabbath or the special festivals. You cannot be a part of those, even the Passover. You can't do that stuff and also be unclean. So there's a time period. You have to wait. Maybe some rituals or some sacrifices you have to do to become clean. But what happens when the unclean comes into the presence of God? It did not go well for Aaron and his first two sons. They, they, they were put to death immediately in the presence of God. That, that's how powerful that was. In an unclean state, you cannot be in the presence of God. So Mark uses, describes these demons as unclean. So for an unclean body or an unclean person, there are rituals, there are, there are things you can do, sacrifices you could make in the law to become clean, even just time. Give it a week. Go outside the camp for a week. When you come back, the priest declares you clean again. But what happens then with a spirit of uncleanness? To remove, you can't just remove the spirit. It must be destroyed. It must be destroyed. And for us, for the people of God, who are we going to be filled up with? Who are we going to follow, as our kids learned this morning, in a goofy way? Who are we going to follow? Let me give you a real-world example today. This time of year, especially there is a phenomenon that occurs regularly in my house, and it is, I don't want to over-exaggerate here, but I won't call it evil, but it is the top irritation for me, okay? It's not a person. It's, it's not anything any, any person is doing, but it, it gets me, especially this time of year, and it's called static cling, Okay? Do you know this phenomenon? Do you know this agent of darkness in our world today? Static cling. Especially, I don't know why it's in the winter, but you pull things. And I love getting something fresh out of the dryer. Man, when we, when we, were, we were kids, my mom, she, she'd put our pajamas in the dryer before, right before bedtime. And then you got these warm pajamas and you put them on. It's great. Love that. I, I love, you know, grabbing just a, even, even a pair of jeans or a hat or something that's just been in the, gri- in the dryer, and you put it on, and oh, that warm goodness. But then, and especially for me, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if there's a problem for you, but for me, it's, it's, you know, my t-shirts, especially my athletic t-shirts or my gym shorts. You get those out of the dryer, and you put them on. Do you know this feeling? And you're like, what is that? There's an electric shock going on, and I can deal with an electric shock. But then what does the shirt do? It begins to defy gravity is what it does. It doesn't just hang there. It begins to cling. And and unfortunately, it clings in some very unattractive ways. And it's just irritating. And you're pulling at it. And and, and part of me, I wish I could stand and give you the solution to static cling. I don't know. We've used dryer sheets. We've had those, those synthetic wool ball things you put in if you know how to get rid of static cling, let's talk after the service, okay? But I just, it's so irritating this time of year. But Hebrews chapter 12, we read this. It says, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings 
so closely. And some translations say the sin that easily entangles. And it's, it's almost as if sin and evil just love to cling. They just love to hang around. And it is irritating. We sang that ancient hymn. That ancient, and I love it. It's a mighty fortress is our God. It's what, 500 years, almost 500 years old now, written by Martin Luther. And so it has that ancient old language that you have to kind of think about grammatically and the syntax is, is a bit different from how we would speak these days. But it says, the prince of darkness grim. The prince of darkness is grim. But we tremble not for him. His rage, oh, we can endure it. Because his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. I love that word is capitalized. You know what that means? Who is the word? Jesus Christ. One little word shall fell him. Church family, evil is present in this world. And it is around us, but it does not have to be present in your life. In fact, when we invite Jesus in, Jesus does not share. He does not share us with the darkness in this world. So that's what Jesus does with evil spirits, with the evil that is around us. It is silence. Silence. Now let's talk about sickness. The other miracles that are happening here are sickness. Verse 31, 32, 34. There's a distinction here that Mark makes, and I'm glad he does. Because let's get something straight. Sickness does not equal evil spirit. Sickness, poor health, is not an indication of sin. Okay? Jesus came to destroy evil. He comes to heal the sick. You destroy and you cast out demons. But he did not come to bring judgment on the sick. He came to heal the sick. And I want us to pay attention to the last part of verse 34. We're in the story about the mother-in-law here. And, and praise God, Jesus healing mother-in-laws. And, and I can't just say it because my mother-in-law's here, but she is, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad. It's a good, good Sunday to have your mother-in-law here. Welcome, Patsy. <laughs> but the mother-in-law was, was healed, the fever left her. But what happened in the last part of verse 30, 31, it says, she served them. In some translations, she waited on them. That, that Greek word for served there is not as if, well, you're just almost treated like a slave, and that's your duty, and that's what... Is expected of you, and that's what you have to do, so get to it. No, the, the word there, the Greek word for served is actually minister. This was a ministry for this woman. She ministered to Jesus and his disciples, and that is part of this healing was a recognition that this woman had been called to minister and could not fulfill her ministry duties because of her sickness. And the moment that sickness was gone, the moment it was taken away, she was now equipped and able to minister. And that didn't mean she jumped up and preached a sermon, or that she jumped up and, I don't know, started a Bible study, or, or jumped up and suddenly made theological proclamations. What it meant was she was able to do what God had called her to do. The moment she found herself in good health, she found a way to serve, to minister. So Jesus can deal with evil. Jesus can deal with the, the things that may block us from serving others, from ministering to others. 
And what I love about Mark, and again, Mark's fast-paced. Mark doesn't waste words. He doesn't give a whole lot of details to draw out a story. But what he does include then in verses 32 through 34 is confirmation that what Jesus did was not a one-time thing. This was not a fluke. This was not a fluke. The one demon cast out, the one fever healed, these weren't just coincidences or just one-time things or Jesus had a little bit of power or he got lucky or something happened that made it work that one time. No, this happened over and over again, so much so that Mark didn't list, he couldn't list out every single specific miracle that was done in person that was touched. It just, the whole crowd, the whole town came out. When Jesus shows up, when the kingdom of God breaks into this world, some really cool things start to happen, and word spreads quickly. And we're just getting started. But also, things will never be the same again. A man controlled by evil spirits is given freedom. A mother-in-law is given all she needs to minister to the one she loves. And we saw it earlier, a trick baby can say, the trick's on you, Satan. Who wins when Jesus confronts evil? It's not even close. Who wins when Jesus confronts sickness? It is not close. Jesus, our Savior, has the power to overcome the darkness of this world. Please get this next part. If you don't get this next part, we've wasted our time this morning, okay? This call and this invitation here today is not for you to go clean up your life. There are sermons all across this world today. There are self-help books. There are messages that are going to tell you, hey, go clean up your life. And if you have the ability and power, willpower to clean up your life, okay, go do it. Great. But the call is not to clean up your life. The call is to let Jesus clean up your life. The call, the story here is not Mark describing an entire town that made sacrifices or did some ritualistic thing for atonement and then Jesus came in because they had behaved themselves and they were clean and they were worthy of Jesus' presence in their town. No. The story is Jesus' power. Jesus' might. His strength to overcome evil, to overcome sickness, and to clean up the lives of these people in this entire town. Step one of allowing Jesus to remove the sin that clings so closely is to acknowledge that he alone, and he has the power to do it. He has the power to do it. It's why we've sang, and Alyssa, she, we're praying for Alyssa too. She's not feeling well today. She couldn't be here. But she picks out our, our songs a lot of the times, and she works with me on to craft the service to be on the same topics and the same ideas and themes. So we sing this morning, my Redeemer lives. My rede- I know he rescued my soul. His blood has covered my sin. That's what I'm believing. And in the eye of the storm, you alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. A mighty fortress, a mighty fortress is my own body. No. A mighty fortress is what I've built up for my own life. No. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is. 
the name of Jesus Christ, our King. The call today is not to clean up your life in your own strength, in your own power, in your own plan and strategy, in your own wisdom and intelligence. The call is to finally come to the realization, the recognition, the understanding that Jesus Christ has the power to heal the darkness and sin in your own life. He has the power to heal and cast out the evil in the lives of your loved ones, in your own household, in your coworker, in your neighbor, in the ones you've been praying for. Do not give up. Do not grow accustomed to evil and just say, oh, that's the way it is. Not when Jesus shows up. And we, as the people of God, get to be a part of what he is doing. So in a moment, I'm going to pray with us. And if you need to be delivered from evil today, if you've got the sin that's clinging on to you like a, like a staticky shirt right out of the laundry, you can be freed from that today. And I'll pray for you. And you pray with me. If you have someone in your life who has that sin so closely, and they need it gone, would you go to the Lord on their behalf this morning? If you are in need of deliverance from sickness or poor health, please know it's not because God wants to punish you. It's not a matter of sinful living. But evil is in this world and there's brokenness in this world and God can deliver you from illness and sickness. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we come to you this morning not worthy, not uh, owed anything, but with humility we come to you, Lord. And man, we... There are individuals here, Lord, who, who need their sin removed, who it is clinging so closely, Lord, would you, would you chisel it away from us? Would you pry it away from us, get, get it off us, even if it might be painful, even if it means some change, even, whatever it takes, Lord, we cannot do it in our own strength. We are weak, Lord. Remove the sin from our lives. For those who are dealing with evil spirits, that an, an environment of darkness and evil has surrounded them, whether it's through the choices of other people or their own choices or, or simply because sin exists in this world and so much has brought them down, Lord, or prevented them from healthy living and, and, and living in ways that are pleasing to you, Lord, would you introduce your spirit that does not share? Would you cast out the demons in our midst, Lord, the evil, the unclean spirits, Lord? And Lord, I also, as your people, we want to go to you on behalf of the troubles of this world, Lord, and the, the darkness that comes even on a global scale, where there is war. Remove that evil. Where there is pain and persecution, where there is brutality and violence, racial discrimination, prejudice, 
greed. It seems systemic, Lord. Where leaders are corrupt. Where so much of what we should be able to depend on or hope or trust in or just assume that good is going to come, so many of the systems and structures of this world fail us, Lord. May you instead bring your kingdom. And may it break into this world in ways that bring healing and in ways that cast out evil. And as we await the fullness of time for all of the evil to be dealt with, Lord, may you strengthen us, may you comfort us, and may you equip us to minister and to serve. We are your people. We want to see that it is done. So give us your strength today, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you sing this with me? Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving. I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Church family, would you stand with me? Pastor Gage, can you bring our benediction this morning? For those of us who, who know personally all too well evil, <laughs> And for those of us who have confronted evil in our lives, maybe even this very morning, the book of Romans ends with this benediction from the Apostle Paul. It says this, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for worshiping with us today. You are dismissed. Have a great Sunday afternoon.